always begins in the garden with the story of God's beautiful and wondrous creation and of humanity's inability to trust God and the consequences that came as a result of that. Consequences that tore apart the fabric of creation, ripping heaven and earth in two, separating us from the natural relationship with our Creator that we were meant to enjoy, setting us on a path of violence and destruction and death. Not such a wonderful world after all, right? But it was, and it is meant to be again. Which is why God did not abandon it or leave it in its damaged state, but promised that things would be redeemed and restored and renewed. After the garden, God began to bring about that promise in bits and pieces by coming down and intervening at various moments in Israel's history. Like in the wilderness at Mount Sinai, when meeting with Moses, or when David needed deliverance from the Philistines and their giants. And there are plenty of other instances. So much so that God coming down became more than just an idea or experience, it became a desire. By the time of the prophets, they were calling for and looking for God to come down, to deliver his people and give them an entirely new way of life, to give them something that would last. Because even though every one of the previous times that God came down was important and God was continuing to bring about salvation and new life through each and every situation, none of them were lasting. None of them were able to stitch heaven and earth back together again as it had been. They were just a taste, just a bit. But then God did something that would be able to do all that. And we find that part of the story in Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. If you will follow along with me as we read there. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor in Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. May God bless the reading of his word. This is a familiar story. It's one that many of us know by heart, especially if you have uh, watched the speech Linus gives in the Charlie Brown Christmas special as many times as I have. A Roman decree went out announcing a census and everyone had to travel to their place of birth to register. A man named Joseph was descended from the line of David in a little town called Bethlehem. So he took his wife, Mary, and went to Bethlehem. And while they were there, she gave birth to Jesus in a dirty stable because there was no room for them anywhere else. At which point, angels appeared to the shepherds in nearby fields announcing his birth and the good news of great joy because the Savior had finally been born. After all the betrayal and heartache, after all the violence and destruction, after the roller coaster of Israel turning away from God only to turn back over and over and over, the furious longing of a people desperate to be freed from the power of sin and death and the cycle of continual loss and pain, the one who would end the need for a temple and sacrifices by becoming the final sacrifice and rending the veil from top to bottom. The fulfillment of what happened at Mount Sinai with Moses, of what happened with David and Israel when they were under siege by the Philistines and their giants, the hope of Isaiah after Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, the culmination of the promise God gave in the garden all the hope, peace, joy, and love that grew from it, all wrapped up in swaddling clothes and resting in the feeding trough of that stable. It's a simple story that took thousands of years to tell and has lasted thousands of years to reach this moment, this moment that we celebrate with full hearts. The moment when God came down and became one of us, to live among us, to deliver us, and to give us life beyond measure, right here and now and from now on. Which is why the angels were singing, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, so loud that it scared the shepherds. They were excited as well, because the moment had finally come. Everything had been building to this moment. Everything had come to this. Mary had given birth to the one whose death would bring us all life. 
one whose life, death, and resurrection would open a new doorway for all people. This is why we celebrate at the darkest time of the year. This is why we have hope. This is why we have peace. It's why we have joy and love in our hearts. Because the waiting is over. God has come down once for all. And now lives and moves and has his being in and among us. So as we go out from this place and into our homes and to spend these days with family and friends and feasting, may we remember God has come down. God has come down for us to become one of us. And may we cherish the life that we have been given as a result. And above all, the one who came down to give it to us. Will you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for so much. During this season, we thank you especially and above all for sending Jesus. We thank you that you didn't ignore or abandon your creation, that you didn't just wad it up and toss it aside. Father, that you valued it and that you sent Jesus to become one of us to save it, to deliver it, and give us hope for a new kind of life and a new kind of world. Father, a lot of people don't know what that's like. A lot of people are stuck in darkness. And so we lift them up before you. We ask that you would make us your light in that darkness. Whatever situation people are in, that we would be able to shine your hope, your peace, your joy, and your love into that dark situation so that they might come to know you and the life that you have for them. Father, we, we can't express in, in enough words what it's like to celebrate this life that you've given us. And so we pray and we sing, and we read your scriptures, and we light candles. But Father, in and amongst all that, we pray that our focus and our thoughts would be on Jesus at all times. And may we always be thankful for what he's done for us. We pray this in his name.